At Simon Kucher, we help you unlock better growth, increasing your business's long-term sales, value, and profit. With four decades of experience, we work with you to optimize your retail strategy across every lever, product, price, innovation, marketing, and sales. No one creates growth like we do. Find out more at simonkutcher.com. Welcome. Welcome to Total Retail Talks, your podcast channel for retail knowledge. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Talks. I'm Joe Keenan, the Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I'm excited to be joined on today's episode by Mandy Rassi, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Michaels. Mandy and I are going to talk about that company's recently announced plans for an omni-channel transformation, as well as the launch of its Maker Place by Michaels Marketplace. So we're excited to talk about that. So I want to uh, welcome you to the show, Mandy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So as I noted, Michaels is in the midst of an omni-channel transformation um, announced recently. So why don't you walk uh, our audience through the core components of that transformation? Sure. Yeah, we're at a really exciting turning point uh, in the overall journey of the company. Uh, we actually turned 50 this year in November. Uh, so it's an important and exciting milestone. And we've really been working over the last couple of years um, to make progress um, to deliver the best in class customer experience that we can. And that's what's really fueled um, the overall transformation that we've been going through. And it has many different components, but at the core of it is our desire to really be that one-stop shop for all creative people and creative needs that are out there. Um, so we serve a really wide range of customers or potential customers from people who might be just beginning their creative journey and pursuits to people who might be pros, maybe even um, selling their creative goods um, you know, as um, sort of their occupation. Uh, and so our transformation has really been focused on understanding the needs that creative people have and then identifying how Michaels can really meet and exceed those expectations to help them get done whatever it is they're trying to get done. Um, so some of the components that have been um, part of this journey has been, uh, one, looking at the store experience and the foundation there. Um, so really making sure we are in stock. We've done a lot of work on the supply chain, making sure we have innovative and exciting products. So focusing on the assortments. Um, we heard some feedback prior to our transformation about the checkout experience taking too long. So we've added self-checkouts now to 300 of our stores, and that's continuously growing. Uh, we've launched new small format stores, uh, which allows us to get into some markets that we've not previously been in. Um, and then from an online experience, uh, we obviously throughout COVID, like many retailers, we expanded our e-commerce capabilities to allow customers to shop with us when and how they want to. Um, this year in February, we also launched our marketplace business, which allowed us to dramatically expand the assortment that we have online. Uh, we added over a million new SKUs and that continues to grow every day, which as a specialty retailer is a really big deal if you think about all of the categories and all the different types of creative projects that are out there, um, it can be a long tail of specialty things. And the marketplace really allows us to meet more of the needs of our customers. Um, and then very recently, we launched our beta experience of Maker Place by Michaels, which 
uh, is a really key point and sort of completing that circle in, in terms of all the creative needs, because that's where makers can actually sell their handmade goods. Um, or if you're a buyer of handmade goods, you can come there to buy those things um, from Michael's as well. Um, so lots of different components. We've also relaunched our brand here just in the last month. Uh, which obviously in marketing has been a lot of my focus, um, as well as relaunching our loyalty program earlier this year. So as you noted, a lot going on at Michael's and a lot of exciting things. Um, I want to get back to what you first talked about. And you kind of outlined a little bit about the customer at Michael's. And it's the, that person takes many shapes. It's from the kind of people just getting started in craft and, and creative uh, endeavors to all the way up to pros. Um, so tell us, as you think about... Um, the transformation plan that you've kind of outlined, what role customer feedback played into that? And then um, that customer experience, you know, you talked about product, but also experience as well. So, so tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about how you're seeking to improve that customer experience, no matter if it's somebody just beginning in the arts and crafts space all the way up to that pro, it's quite a spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're always listening to feedback from our customers, whether that's through formal feedback systems that we have within our consumer insights group, um, you know, and obviously across 1300 stores, you hear from your customers all the time or your customer care, things like that. Um, and some of the things that we heard before we began our transformation work um, were some of the things I touched on, right? So making sure that we're in stock, right? Nothing is more frustrating than going to the store to get something and then having it not be there. Um, slow moving checkout lines were another one we heard. Um, and even confusing pricing. We're in a high-low category. Our prior loyalty program offered discounts to customers, um, but they weren't even always sure why they were getting those. The program was a bit too complicated. Um, and so we took bits of feedback like that, and it's really informed how we've transformed the experience. So we tried to address the supply chain issues head on and really fully transformed that over the last couple of years, um, including bringing automation into our supply chain process, uh, we've expanded our self-checkouts. Um, those are in 300 stores and continuing to grow. Um, as we think about the loyalty program, when we relaunched the program in May of last year, uh, we really tried to simplify it um, to make it a, an everyday value for our customers so they can get three, six or 9% back every day on what, whatever you're buying across the Michaels ecosystem. Um, so it's really much easier to understand. And then they can use that, um, obviously, to have savings on whatever they're buying with us. Uh, and we've seen customers respond really positively to it. Our total member base grew almost 10% year over year um, as of August. So uh, it has worked really well, uh, which is great to see. Um, you know, and then obviously assortment is huge, especially in specialty retail. So we listen a lot to our customers in terms of the types of creative projects that they're doing. Um, our category can be a bit trend driven, which is great. So one example would be this summer uh, with the Taylor Swift tour for anyone who's familiar or was anywhere around that. Um, you're probably familiar with the friendship bracelet trend that popped very quickly at the start of her tour in the spring. Um, and then obviously our business in that space totally exploded uh, and we saw it happen really fast. So there were simple things related to trying to be as in stock as we could be, but even our classes and events, we launched um, a whole bunch of new friendship bracelet making classes uh, as a way to help customers uh, sort of jump in and learn to do that or, or find 
other interesting ways uh, of doing friendship bracelets, whether it was about the concert or just sort of dovetailing off of that trend. So uh, we, we try in lots of ways to stay close to the customer and then to react in both big and small ways uh, to better meet their needs. So staying close to the customer and reacting to their needs and, and thinking about uh, assortment as well uh, kind of plays into the uh, launch of Maker Place by Michaels. Talk a little bit about that new initiative from the from the company and how it kind of fits into what you're trying to do as you evolve and and uh, and kind of improve the experience that you talked about. Yeah, we are so excited about Maker Place. Um, it really completes that ecosystem that I talked about um, of of putting us in a place where we can support creatives who aspire to actually sell the goods that they make, um, and to allow people who want to buy them to have really a unique and dedicated place where they can find only authentically handmade goods. Um, as we did research, we heard that nearly three in four makers believe there was a void in the online sort of marketplace landscape today, um, both from a seller point of view, um, with things like high upfront costs, increasing fees for their product listings, um, and then from both sellers and buyers about there really not being a place anymore that is purely dedicated to authentically handmade goods. And that has really been our North Star is to create a place that really supports and celebrates makers, um, giving them a way to make more if they want to sell on our platform. And then for the buyers to allow it to be a space that is really fully dedicated to authentically handmade goods, um, and being the only handmade sort of community or ecosystem where you can also take classes from the makers um, or there are how-tos that you can follow as well. So we're giving those sellers more ways to earn by sharing their skills as well as their product. And then we are allowing um, the people who want to be on kind of the buyer side to have a broader experience within that handmade space um, than anyone else is offering them today. Um, obviously, it fits very well with what Michaels has always been about in terms of meeting the needs of creative people, but it allows us to grow and expand into a new set of needs that we've not been in previously. So I'd love to get your perspective, Mandy, as a marketer and what you and your team. So you talked about kind of what customers have previously expected of Michaels and now some of these new offerings that are being brought out, such as Maker Place, and maybe we'll focus in on that. What creating that consumer awareness that these new offerings are out there, that these new ways to engage with Michaels exist. Tell us what you're doing um, from a marketing perspective to create that consumer awareness for, for Maker Place. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are just in our beta phase now. So we're not officially at like the big launch yet of Maker Place. Um, but the way that we're thinking about I'll maybe take a step back. The way we're thinking about it overall is first for Michael's, the total company, the parent brand. Uh, and our new purpose uh, that we rolled out about a month ago is to fuel the joy of creativity. And that really guides everything we do across the Michael side or the maker place side. Um, you know, we really are looking for ways to make the creative process joyful for our customers, to celebrate that process. Um, and as we went into maker place, that really shows up in the experience that we're offering. Um, Maker Place is a separate brand from Michael, so it does have its own brand strategy, 
um, that really supports the experience there. And it will have a dedicated marketing plan as well. Um, obviously, it's also different in the sense that we have two core audiences. First, the sellers. And that's where we've been really focused right now because uh, obviously we need to have sellers on the site um, to be offering all of these great products that then the consumers uh, will want to check out and buy. Uh, and since we're in beta, that's been our primary focus right now um, using one, some of our own tools, right? The beauty of this coming from Michael's is we do have an established and passionate customer base within our Michael's ecosystem. And many of those people are professional makers today. So that was sort of the first audience, um, along with actually our associates was a place that we started. It, it might not be surprising that a lot of our associates in the stores and even in our support center um, are actually makers who you know may want to sell their goods as well. Um, so we went to some of those closer in audiences first, and then now we're using um, our paid media ecosystem and other things to expand that seller audience. And then the buyer launch um, will come with, with an even bigger focus uh, here as we get closer to the broad launch. So with all of these things that you've announced at Michael's and um, takes a lot of buy, uh, you know, commitment from throughout the organization in terms of investments, investments in obviously money, time, resources. So maybe you can go over for us, Mandy, a little bit about um, the investments that the company has made in technology and, and also its people to kind of execute upon this vision that you've laid out. Yeah, um, you know, it is always an exercise in prioritization for sure. Um, and we have majorly invested in the e-commerce experience. Uh, which included a few initiatives that we built in-house. So we replatformed our website in January, really with a goal to enhance and simplify the customer experience on michaels.com. That also created the foundation for us to be able to launch our third-party marketplace um, that came much earlier this year and then now actually Makerplace as well. Um, from a store point of view, like I said, we've invested in the technology around state-of-the-art self-checkout that was actually coded and designed fully in-house as well. Uh, and we tried to make that, again, just very simple, very intuitive to use. We've heard good feedback on that from our customers. Um, you know, And then to your point, there's also the people side. Um, so really making sure we're investing in team growth um, and building out the skill sets that we need to do some of these new things, right? So um, you know, our internal teams related to enhancing and scaling the tech capabilities that we need, the e-commerce capabilities. Um, we're actively opening new stores, which is really exciting. And that creates jobs in new communities that we've not been in before. Um, and then we're also looking at expanding our in-store experiences for customers. Um, so things like birthday parties and in-store classes, our free Sunday make breaks that we do, um, and particularly for some of those customized things, obviously we need to expand our team to be able to have um, teachers who can come in and teach pretty specialized creative classes um, where people can learn new skills. So thinking about it from a marketing uh, approach, Mandy, how do you, um, as you prepare to kind of engage with existing customers from Michaels and also try to reach some people that aren't yet um, uh, Michael's customers. How do you think about marketing to them and communicating to them? Does that change as some of these new initiatives and and the kind of this transformation gets fully uh, rolling, or or you know maybe it doesn't change all that much. It's just 
kind of cadence and frequency. Talk a little bit about um, your your marketing approach and how that may or may not have shifted as a result of this kind of transformation that we've been discussing. Yeah, we did shift our marketing approach in some pretty big ways. So um, always I want to start with who is the customer. So we started by really defining who the audience should be. And it is broad. Um, we had gotten a little bit narrow in our prior brand strategy where we were really focused on what we called the maker, which is the people really who are physically making things with their hands. And that is a huge and important audience for us. But what we heard from customers actually is we were leaving out other creative people, for example, decorators, um, you know, where their creative expression might be something more like decorating for the holidays, making your house the spookiest Halloween house on the block, which is a creative expression. And we weren't previously maybe embracing that audience in our marketing and our storytelling as much as we could have. Um, so we started by casting that net a bit more broadly and really declaring that we are in the business of creativity, which includes arts and crafts, but it's much bigger than just arts and crafts. Um, and then that led us to reimagining our brand, which we relaunched in August um, under our new purpose to fuel the joy of creativity. Our, our new tagline is everything to create anything, um, which really speaks to that ecosystem that we've been talking about. Um, but we gave the brand a whole fresh new look as well. Our category had been a bit of a sea of sameness. Uh, we are a very high-low category. We are a high-low retailer. Um, and, and so while discounting will always be a part of what we do, um, especially last year as the economy got tight, we, like so many others, I think really focused hard on that. Um, but many of the offers that we run, the coupons that we run are very similar to what our competitors do. Um, and the category really kind of looked like a sea of sameness. So as we looked at our new brand strategy and thought about how to bring it to life, we brought in a new agency partner, OKRP, and they helped us really reimagine the whole ecosystem. So our new look is very sort of pop art, um, very fresh, very joyful. We have amplified the way we show our product, um, really focusing on product macros. So in some ways, taking something like a skein of yarn or, you know, some of our craft paint and showcasing those in a way that are really artful and creative, uh, which feels more fitting of a creative brand. Um, you know, we've also uh, looked across our whole ecosystem. So whether we're talking the most bottom of funnel performance oriented thing, or maybe a big top of funnel brand and awareness message, it all needs to work within the same brand ecosystem. And that was an area we had some opportunity in the past where there was sort of brand messaging and um, performance messaging that didn't always feel like they were coming from the same brand. And we worked really hard to unify and to build a brand system that is big enough to hold all of those things that we need to do. Um, you know, especially as you think about new initiatives like the loyalty program being revamped and expanded e-com experience. Um, we launched our credit card earlier this year. So we needed a brand strategy and campaign that had broad enough shoulders to hold all of these things um, that the transformed business now encompasses. So you talked a little bit about kind of changing the storytelling and the messaging um, in terms of uh, as you as you broaden out the scope and, and uh, depth of the audiences uh, that you could potentially bring into Michael's. Also have with that in mind and looking for new customers and new segments that you can even find or penetrate deeper into if you're already uh, engaged with some of those customers. Has the marketing channel optimization mix changed for you or is it is it pretty much what you've always done 
maybe talk a little bit about that. You, you kind of addressed the messaging. I'm just interested a little bit about the channel mix as well. Sure. Yes. Over the last three years, our channel mix has changed really dramatically. Um, probably like a lot of retailers, um, Michael's used to be very heavy into print. So we were still running printed circulars, um, a lot of direct mail, um, you know, which was fine, but we had an opportunity to get more digital. And as we looked at really where the customer has moved, um, you know, frankly, we have a great loyalty program um, with a lot of customers who are in that, which facilitates personalization. And we can do that in a more effective and efficient way um, within digital. Um, so our mix has really shifted dramatically um, in favor of digital. So for example, um, OLV is a really big channel. Obviously, search um, and, and PLA is a big focus for us as a retailer. Um, but, but really, it's YouTube, it's um, the social channels. That is a great place, especially in a creative category to tell stories, but also to be in a two-way dialogue and engagement with our customers. So in the last year, even from an organic social point of view, we really focused on TikTok and expanded our um, presence there. And we've really seen our audience there grow substantially. Um, you know, we also um, have looked at our TV buy, which in the past had been very linear TV focused. Yeah. I think this is especially timely right now as we see, obviously, cord cutting has been going on for quite a while with that shift to more connected TV. Um, obviously, now with some of the content issues with um, with what's going on there, uh, we're even shifting more into CTV uh, because that's where we think the audience is going to go even more. So we're always looking at where our customer is. Um, we do get very regular reporting and we use the data a lot to inform um, our media choices. Uh, we have a great media partner called Camelot, who's our agency there. Um, and they have done a nice job too of helping us find where new ad types um, or opportunities could be, um, particularly in some of the places that matter a lot to our customers. So a, a good one would be Pinterest. I think we're always piloting different things with them. Um, it is a great place for a creative brand um, to show up. We find our customers are really engaged there. Um, so we're always kind of fine tuning the dials. But if you look at it on a broad spectrum, I would say we kind of moved out of a lot of the traditional and into the more addressable and digital spaces. Um, that make a lot more sense for us today. Yeah, I was going to say, given the, the category and your guys' customer base, that creative back and forth exchange that social kind of um, facilitates, that makes a lot of sense in terms of some of the shifts you made. I, my final question for you, Mandy, um, you know, as we record this, we're inching closer to kind of end of year holiday season. And, um, you know, I, I'm interested in what you're seeing from your customers and what you're forecasting for, uh, consumers in the upcoming holiday season and, and what you thinking what you're thinking about at Michael's in, in terms of trying to capitalize on on some of the uh, macro trends that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, so holidays are huge for Michael's. Uh, and right now we are very much in the throes of Halloween. Our customer is very passionate about Halloween. Um, in fact, we broke our 100 days of Halloween um, back on July 21st. And even before that, we had customers reaching out like, when is Halloween going to hit the stores? Um, so that will continue to be a big focus for us here over the next month or two. Um, and then as we look ahead to the holiday season, again, we really want to be that destination for all the creative holiday fun and celebration and gift giving um, that people might be doing. Uh, so obviously decor is a big piece of that. Uh, we focus every year, our merchandising team does such a nice job of curating 
both trend forward types of merchandise, um, but then there are, all, are also like the tried and true. So one thing we saw a lot of um, excitement about last year was like our large nutcrackers, or we have lots of miniatures or dimensional lighting. Uh, and those are always sort of favorites at Michael's and they'll come back in their latest incarnation this year. Um, but then we're also looking at other places, um, like for example, this year, I think there's going to be a big trend around all things pink uh, as the Barbie craze continues. So that's the sort of stuff that we're thinking about, um, trying to anticipate where the customer mindset and interest is going to be. Um, the other piece I will say, you know, not unique to Michael's is definitely value is going to be very top of mind for people again this year. We saw that last year. I think it's just continuing. Um, and so we are looking a lot at how we provide value. So let people have all of the holiday fun and make those special moments, but do it in a way that can work within their budgets, even if this year is a tight budget year for them. Um, obviously, we we are very promotional um, and we're kind of looking at the right cadence of that and the right types of offers um, for various customer groups to make sure we're kind of putting all these experiences within reach of where people can and, and want to be value-wise this year. Well, I think that's a, a great overview of what is coming from Michaels. I want to take the opportunity to thank Mandy Rassi, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Michaels, for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Talks. And again, kind of giving us all uh, all the insights into the that company's omnichannel transformation and what's to come from Michaels. So thanks for joining me, Mandy. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Total Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Talks. In a time of evolving consumer demand, let us help you build a strategy that delivers growth and plants roots for customer loyalty. At Simon Kucher, no one creates growth like we do.